Podcast Network. Where do you begin? Seriously, where do you begin to understand what's happening in the last 18 months? Life in this world is beginning to look like the director's cut of Lord of the Rings. Indescribable torment, tyranny, and it just never ends. Okay, let's take a moment. Separate fact from Hollywood. For that, you need the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. It has begun. In earnest, it has begun. The facts are out. The pointing fingers are everywhere. There is blame and blame for what and blame against who. Oh, my gosh. All of these things and even more things than that have surfaced just overnight. Things that we suspected we're now learning are factual. What are they? <laughs> well, sit tight. We're going to dig in hard starting in about three minutes. She messed up. La, 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 
You know, Europe's given the United States a bunch of really good musicians. Who are the best you can think of? It would be the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, the Bee Gees. Those are all from uh, the UK. You can't think of a single artist, I bet you, that came from Czechoslovakia. Well, you just heard one. Basha Czechskaluska. And she hadn't done anything in a bunch of years, but boy, back in the 80s and the 90s, she turned down some really good albums. You got that for free, everybody listening to TNN Live today. I want to welcome you all in. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff going on in the United States. Our government is falling apart. And uh, I think many in our government don't even realize that our government is falling apart. And we're going to wade into some of these really bad things. You know, we are told now that our president is going out on the road. He's going to talk about his great economic conditions that he has brought to the people of the United States. But there's one problem. The number one thing he talks about when he talks about our economy and his great success is his infrastructure bill. Binomics gave us an infrastructure bill. But guess what? It's summer in a non-election year, and it's difficult to read into the poll numbers. That said, President Biden's approval on the economy It's ranged from the very low 30s, I mean very low, 31% to the low 40s in recent polls. The economy is also by far the number one concern for almost every American. But the president, although he is touting his infrastructure plans, they can't show us anything that they've done with the infrastructure plan. The Bidenflation, the housing market, stagnant wage growth, The list goes on and on of pressures facing all of us, every American household. Maybe we've been asking the wrong questions. And that, of course, is now what Biden is out on the trail. He's saying, White House Council of Economic Advisors Chairman Jared Bernstein showed up on something called News Nation's Morning in America this week. I've never heard of this show. And claimed that one of the problems that we face is that some of these polling entities are not asking the right questions when it comes to specific components of Bidenomics. So, why don't we ask some? (laughs) Well, we asked him to keep on going, and he did. No, we didn't ask him, but he kept on rolling. I also think he said that it's really important, at least if you want to understand the answer to the question you just asked, ask people what they think about the largest investment in broadband that we've ever made in this country. This is basically doing what FDR did with rural electrification back then, doing that for broadband today, which, of course, we all know is so essential. we got to have that Internet. We've got to be able to play those Internet games and, of course, keep up with our Facebook and Twitter and all of the other social media accounts. He said, ask people how they feel about getting rid of non-compete clauses, about making things like hearing aids more affordable, about getting rid of junk fees. They are so, so lost. Unless, of course, they're just toying with us all, and their real goal in the White House is just to spend as much as possible and grow the government 
as much as possible and make it as big as possible. Broadband is probably a good area, no doubt, for the government to invest. But we've allocated so many trillions of dollars to public expenditures over the past couple of years, it would be nice to see at least one little benefit from it. So Bernstein then hopped over to CNBC Squawk Box, and I'm sure you watch it all the time, right? I've never watched it. (laughs) And said the real problem for the White House is that you're getting a lot of partisanship And you know that we're in an extreme partisan time, you think? It is true, but how'd we get there? How do we get to where we are now in the American public thinking about our government and our president and everybody down? Joe Biden's entire economic agenda has catered to Democrat-based voters. Think about that. He's the ultimate economic partisan. People are very excited about infrastructure, Bernstein claimed. I can't agree less. We're not sure people are very excited about infrastructure. Yeah, I'm sure we could use some. We always can use some. The highway a couple of miles down the road has been under construction for months. I don't care where you live. That's pretty much the case everywhere. If Biden can get that thing finished off, We'll give him some brownie points, but that's not very exciting. Again, the White House is clearly struggling with messaging as we crest toward that ever-coming, every-other-year election season. It seems like the strategy as of now is use words like broadband, ports, bridges, as often as you can. they got a little while to go on and hone their economic message. But that's not going to do it. He would be better off, would Biden be, if Americans saw him giving to Americans what we really want. Fossil fuel. Give us our gas back. Give us our diesel back. And give it to us at the price we were paying the day you were elected to be president, Mr. Biden. The world's largest gas station. Did you know there's one of those? It opened in Sevierville, Tennessee on Monday of this week. It's a Bucky's, of course. Bucky's are everywhere. And whether you admit it or not, we all stop at Bucky's when we're on the highway. And that opening in Tennessee, it delighted crowds to no end. 120 gas pumps, 24 7 service. A 74,000-square-foot amusement park-like store. Hundreds of solid American jobs were brought online. This is in Sevierville, Tennessee. This is what people want. We'll take a barbecue brisket sandwich and a tank of premium. Well, maybe you use regular, but you know what I mean. Give us something we can sink our teeth into and quit the heck talking about infrastructure. You've got the most feckless Secretary of Transportation than I've ever seen in any administration. And I don't pay attention to many Department of Transportation secretaries. Ours had tons of transportation infrastructure experience. 
He is the former mayor of a little town up in northern Indiana. And that little town's claim of fame is it's the home of Notre Dame University. Not about their great infrastructure. And therefore, when you want something done, you want it done right, you want it done quickly, you bring in an expert. Bringing in a mayor from South Bend, Indiana to be the Department of Transportation Secretary. It shouldn't bode well. And Joe Biden should have known it. But, you know, it's not about who can do best. It's all about and only about who you can bring to the table in the way of votes. Oh, my gosh. I don't know where these people go. I just don't know where they get their ideas. But let me tell you what Joe has done and our transportary secretary has done. They have granted $1.7 billion for electric and low-emission buses in 46 U.S. states and territories. What a great thing to give to the people of the nation. Grants for new electric and low-emission buses. $1.7 billion, 46 states. Funding for the zero and low-emission buses. It comes through the 2021 Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, a $1.2 trillion bill. It includes funding for public transit programs, of course. President Biden has made it a key component of his Build Back Better agenda, and his administration has prioritized placing more electric vehicles on the road. Forget about their cost. Forget about the infrastructure it takes to maintain them. You know, things like charging stations. Forget about the fact that in every subdivision, almost without exception, across the nation, I'm talking about from Washington State to Southern Florida, from Northern Maine to Southern California, every subdivision, if you're going to have electric cars, let's just say to begin with, one electric car in each garage, in a subdivision that has 200 homes in it. That sounds about like average, right? Do you know there are less than 2% of those subdivisions anywhere in the United States that have the electric grid infrastructure in the subdivision to take care of charging one electric car one time a day? They don't want to talk about that. That doesn't sound rosy. You know, that's that's something you can't go out there and wave a flag and saying, I'm kissing the feet of the climate activists by doing away with fossil fuel and giving them these wonderful electric cars and even buses that are low emission or no emission at all. They won't tell us how we're going to keep them charged up. And we've joked about it here. Joe Biden bragged two weeks ago he was going to turn every military transportation piece of equipment, I mean every one of them, he said. That includes tanks on the battlefield. That includes big transport trucks that carry troops and equipment across deserts. Oh, and it includes fighter jets, (laughs) Navy battleships, and aircraft carriers. And we get in a war with Russia, what do we do? Our tanks are on the, the battlefield with Russian military. <laughs> and, and we have a special flag design that the people in the 
tanks when they need a new recharge. They wave this flag so the opponents know, hey, we got to take an hour off so we can go back to camp and charge. And then what about jets? Oh my gosh, have you ever flown from Los Angeles to Hawaii? To do it, you'd have to have a really long extension cord. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. And his best thing that he's campaigning on so far right now is his infrastructure bill. Well, what he can brag about, everybody knows this is the reason for every piece of Biden economics bills, $1.2 trillion. Hey, 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 $1.2 trillion. You're thinking about buying an electric car, you want a Tesla. That is the Lincoln, Cadillac, whatever you want to call it, ultra electric car. You know, they're about twice the size of a similar car that you could buy that burns gasoline or even diesel. About twice the cost. But think about it. You don't have to go to the gas station. Those $60 every time you pull up at the gas station. But what else don't they tell us about those cars? Have any idea how long the batteries in a Tesla will last? We're told two to three years tops. You know what it costs to replace Tesla batteries? $60,000. So you save money on gasoline, but you pay it all back, plus some more, when you go to get, three years later, new batteries in your Tesla that's no longer new. Don't even think about a long cross-country trip, especially if you want to go visit Grandma right at the edge of the big, big, wide open spaces of Southwest Texas. You got an electric car. You get south of El Paso, Texas, southeast of El Paso, out in the middle of nowhere. They don't have any electric charges stations out there. Of course, Biden's infrastructure program, they're, they're, plan, they're planning on getting that done. But they're making us buy cars now, electric cars now. Just trust us. Just trust us. We're going to have the infrastructure in place. We're going to take care of it. Let's move on. What do we have coming up? Well, you're going to hear of issues with our attorney general and what we could do, and many in Congress are already taking steps to get it initiated. Our attorney general... Christopher Ray, head of the FBI, and oh, by the way, uh, maybe even a president. That's all ahead in today's show, plus a whole lot more. Tennessee Republican kind of brought a lot of people to a stop yesterday. His name is Mark Green. He's a Republican from Tennessee. He introduced a bill yesterday that aims to stop the Federal Public Health Agency from using any of our tax dollars, not a dime, to coerce pro-life states into supporting abortion. Now, why would he have to do that? Because it's already happening. It's a one-page bill formally titled States Choose Life Act of 2023. And it states that the Department of Health and Human Services 
should not demand states make referrals for abortion as a condition to receive Title X health care funding. It's already out there. They're attempting to do that is the Biden administration. In other words, we can't get it done the legal way through legislation that is good enough to get the Supreme Court to agree to it. So what we're going to do is we're going to use money. Money is the root of all evil. We've all heard that. That's not the way it is in the Bible. It's not money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. But the Biden folks think they can control everybody in the nation by money. If you'll do this, we'll give you money. If you don't do this, we're not going to give you money. Guess where they learned how to do that? They learned how to do it from Uncle Joe. And his 50 years in the Senate, eight years as vice president, and now two and a half years as president destroying our nation. Using money. It cures everything, right? So what the heck is Title X? It's a federal program. It's dedicated to providing birth control and even other reproductive health services for mostly low-income women. Back in 2019, who was president then? Donald Trump. The Trump administration banned clinics receiving Title X money, grants, from discussing or referring any pregnant client to an abortion clinic, saying that American taxpayers have been wrongfully forced to subsidize the abortion industry through federal funding, like $600 million a year. Your tax dollars, my tax dollars, going to Planned Parenthood. And of course, Planned Parenthood wants everybody to think they don't get into abortions. They take care of reproductive programs, teaching low-income people about taking care of their bodies. Yet, there's not one Planned Parenthood office in the nation that doesn't either perform abortions or refer these women for abortions. The Biden administration, what did they do? They started reversing that policy very quietly, didn't announce anything. They just did it back in October of 2021. That came after the Supreme Court refused to weigh in on the constitutionality of the Trump-era Title X rule, which forced pro-abortion organizations like Planned Parenthood to abandon the federal program. So what do we have now? Well, the current rule says that clinics that get Title X fund money must tell pregnant women that abortion is just one possible option. So citing this, the HHS suspended a $75 million Title X funding to the state of Tennessee, where it is illegal for physicians to perform or induce abortion, with some exceptions. Representative Green called out HHS Secretary Javier Becerra, accusing his department of using Title X funding as a cudgel to force states to participate in abortions, and if they didn't, they'd lose funding. States should be allowed to do so without suffering repercussions, financial or otherwise, from the federal government. That's what the congressman said in a statement when he filed that bill. No medical professional should be forced against his or her conscience to refer patients 
for abortions. Now listen, you can say, we can all say a lot of things about the Biden administration, their bad policies, economic policies, conditions are across the nation economically or untenable in many places. There are families that are so far upside down economy, there's no way out. And it's all because of Biden policies and stuff he started on day one as president when he could. He pulled out that pen and a stack of executive orders. And the first thing he did destroyed the potential of 100,000 jobs along the XL pipeline, the production and the creation of that pipeline that was to run from Canada's, central Canada's oil-rich sectors down through the middle of America, through North and South Dakota, all the way to the Gulf Coast. Some of the pipeline, XL pipeline, would be diverted and go to Houston. The other would go to New Orleans. Our biggest ports for the exploration, ex, what do you do when you send it away? You export. Yeah, it's import when you bring it in. We wanted to export it. We were the, at in October of Donald Trump's last year as president, that October, the United States became energy independent and we were actually selling our excess oil and gas to places over in Europe that are friendly to the United States. We were exporting natural gas, liquid gas, LPG liquid gas, to our countries overseas and transporting them from Houston and New Orleans and the XL pipeline would have tripled that. But nope, Joe Biden started canceling it. Everything he has done, with almost no exception, has handicapped millions of Americans, has made our lives miserable in ways that we never thought they were or we had maybe seen in the past, but under Trump, none of that happened. It was just like Donald Trump. He did all of those things. He did. There were many more things he tried that were good for the American people that he told us when he was campaigning for president that he would get done. He got more done than any other candidate in history that was ever elected president, including Barack Obama. He got more stuff actually done that he promised while campaigning than any other. And the only reason he couldn't get the other stuff done is Congress wouldn't come along. But facts don't matter. In politics, it's not about facts. It's about what you think you need and what you want politically. And beating your opponent politically, (laughs) that's far better than doing something legislatively for the people. I mean, after all, under this Democrat party, the Democrat fascist party, nothing that the people think or say or want matters because the fascists in the Democrat Party that have some of transferred over to the White House and the Biden administration, they don't care about what's best for the people. It's what's best for the fascists that run our nation. Welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? Yeah, I'll have a pre-meeting pump-up, a Monday fixer, and a screaming boss recovery. So that's one peppermint mocha, one McCafe frappe, and one fruit smoothie? Yep. Name your drink. McDonald's has it. We're your destination for those special flavors that help you get through your day. Get any small McCafe smoothie, frappe, shake, or espresso drink for only $2. Even the delicious new peppermint mocha. For a limited time, price and participation may vary. 
When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Hi, Tom Bodette, quote, checking in on my smartphone. Everyone's checking in nowadays at airports, restaurants, appointments with certain medical specialists. Seriously, people, TMI. Anyway, thanks to the Motel 6 mobile app, you can book a clean, comfortable room at Motel 6 on your smartphone and get a great rate. Then when you get to Motel 6, you can check in after you check in. Your friends will be totes jealous. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. I pass through the trees. I leave behind the mountains. I weave in the air. I fly over the birds. And I wish when I complete my journey, I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with IV Tech engine. Leave behind a better world. Is the insanity making your head spin? Okay, let's sit down and figure this out together. Again, Dan Newman. Yeah, I'll sit down and figure it out. During the break, I got a text from a, a woman, and I, w- I won't mention her name, but she said, don't you think it's a little far for you to go to call the Democrat Party Democrat fascist? And you know what, name-calling never does anybody any good. I, I understand that. But when you, you talk about something and you give it a factual basis, a legitimate one, it's okay, in my opinion. Do you know what fascism is? I'll give you the definition. I mean, this isn't me. This is any one of a number of sources that give out definitions. Fascism a political philosophy, movement, or regime that exalts nation and often race above the individual and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader or group, severe economic and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of all opposition. Now, we just did a story where the Biden administration has gone behind the backs of the U.S. Supreme Court justices and their ruling that did away with Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs decision a year ago. The Biden folks, Javier Becerra, HHS Secretary, that's the Health and Human Services Department, and started taking money away from states that don't promote abortion and that abortion to be paid for by the American people. If that's not fascism, and it's been pushed for decades by who? Leaders in the Democrat Party. And you've got one of those leaders in the Democrat Party in the White House. And all of his cabinet members, including Javier Becerra, are out there forcing on states 
where we give under the Title X legislation duly passed, we give them money for low-income women to help them with their true health care when they're pregnant. And not as was done under the eight years of Obama and Biden, send them to Planned Parenthood. After all, we give Planned Parenthood half a billion dollars every year. We still do. And what do they do at Planned Parenthood? They harvest babies through abortion. If the Democrat Party and its leadership now, including Joe Biden, are not fascist, somebody, somebody send me something that educates me to that. Because I don't want to sound stupid when I talk to people on this show. It's important to me that we get it right. And I, 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 I really mean that. I don't want to get up here and pontificate about my personal opinion. Honestly, quite often we do stories that make it clear some things are true with which I don't totally agree, but facts are facts. Opinion is opinion. And sometimes the two cross, but for the crossing there, the facts never change. The opinion and the person that opinion comes from has to begin to embrace facts. That's the only way the two get together. If you really think, honestly, in your core, that not everybody that's a Democrat, there are some really good Democrats out there. Not every Republican is a good person, just like not every Democrat is a bad person. I'm neither. (laughs) So what does that mean? I'm a registered independent, as are 41% of American voters today. Why be an independent? Why be a member of a party? You tell me. I was for many years. I was a Republican from a very young age. Why? Because I believed in the core principles of the Republican Party in the old days. Let me shock you. For those of you that you maybe weren't around or cognizant of politics in 1960 when John F. Kennedy was elected president, a Catholic, a Democrat, very, very Democrat. His whole family were Democrats. If you look, go back and search and find places where he talked about his economic policies. He was more a Republican today than is Donald Trump in his philosophies. The Democrat Party has moved way, 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 way left since 1960. And back then, it was the party of the blue-collar America. Now, it's the party of big money. Big money. At the top of the show, for those of you that weren't here, we played that song by Basha. I gave you an explanation of who she is. It's okay. I get it. You're all busy, and it's Wednesday. You've got work going on, lots of responsibilities. And I don't expect you to listen top-to-bottom line every day. But all of you that do listen and are listening today, I want to I want to give you a heartfelt thank you. I appreciate your support. We really look forward to getting get together with you. I'm actually, once again, you may get jealous. If you weren't here yesterday or the day before, I'm looking out the window on a beach, looking at the really nice, low-breaking waves of the Atlantic Ocean that are breaking on the beach in St. Simon Island in Georgia. Family vacation for the Newman clan. It's a great time. We've got friends that came up from Sarasota, Florida to share this time with us. 
but I'm not going to not do this show. And it's, it's really kind of fun. I, uh, I uh, had a, a uh, text conversation last night with Republican Congressman Mike Johnson, 4th Congressional District in Louisiana. It's been several weeks since he's been on the show with us. He's a regular. And I said, hey, any way you can work us into your schedule in the next couple of days? And he sent me the nicest reply. He said, look, I promised Kelly, Kelly's his wife, really great. They have a great family. Uh, I mean, good kids, just a great family, one of those all-American families. And Mike works hard. He really works hard. When he was a state legislator here in Louisiana, he worked hard. And since he's been in Washington, D.C. from the very first day, he's worked his head off. And he told me, he said, I have done nothing but work for months. And I promised Kelly, uh, the house is off. They're not, they're not in session this week. And I gave her this week and I promised I wouldn't do any public shows or interviews. And so please forgive me and we'll get together next week. I get that. We all need that. Everybody needs to unwind. And I know today things economically are not at the place where many of us can do things that we used to do. I could give you example after example of how things have changed in our lives as a family and business as well. But that's part of being Americans. We have the ability to be flexible as we need. We've always had that undergirding infrastructure, social, economic, spiritual, mental, health care. We've always had that undergirding that made it okay and even possible for us to do those kinds of things. And we're watching all of those things, the structure of them, be torn apart by the fascist policies of many in Washington, D.C. that want to tear that down and make it the sole responsibility of the government. Now, let's think a little bit ahead. I've got something I want to jump into, but this is important. I want you to think about it. When, little by little, all of the freedom things that we have done as Americans since its inception, since it became a nation, and you and I, we've taken them for granted. Those first 10 amendments, our Bill of Rights, we talk about the first two, pretty much always, freedom of speech and the right to bear arms. But there are eight others in the 10 that get into the nitty-gritty about what we're talking about right now. If we just very quietly let this government, or any government that would ever replace this one, just take over the decision-making in these areas that we just take for granted, things like health care, things like real infrastructure, what we can build and allow to be built in our, in our cities, in our nations, and operating all of the economic things that are individual in states, even inside of states across the nation. And our government takes over all of that little by little. What happens at the end of it? What do they have to get, hold, obtain, use, to operate all of this that they've just taken over. Money. 
And where does the government get money? From you and I. That's the only place they get money. And do you think any government, especially this government, is going to pause and just because it's not nice, stop doing what the government does, quietly stepping in and taking control of this and taking control of that. And the Dobbs decision is a perfect example. Abortion in the Dobbs decision. It should go back to the states for state-by-state approval of everything to do with abortion. Federal government doesn't like that. So going behind our backs, they go to states individually that are getting in Title X money to fund real health clinics for the poorest among us that help them in every possible way, even vaccinations, uh, checkups, health checkups, kids, women across the board. And they're taking that money or they're trying to take that money away from these states unless these states agree to allow abortions in those states. The federal government is blackmailing the American population. And it's only when places like Truth News Network, TNN Live, when we find these things and share them, and we don't have ownership of facts, but many of this is out there, and there's so much out there. You know how I found this out? Early, early this morning, I got a text from somebody that said, hey, have you heard about this? I looked this morning. I can't find it anywhere in any news source on the Internet. And it may be out there, but I couldn't find it. I'm sure I didn't watch the news this morning, but I'm sure hardly anybody, if anybody at all, in the news is talking about this. But this is a really big deal. It is a lot of money, but more importantly, it's the ability of the government to just take over American citizens' personal rights and our responsibilities, and then eventually taking money from us so they can pay for what they're doing, not what you and I are doing. Well, I told you at the top of the show, and I mean, we're 43 minutes into the show, kind of long-winded this morning, but I told you things are changing in D.C. as it pertains to the angst many lawmakers have about what our attorney general is doing and not doing. And I want to get into some of that. I want to give you a couple of perspectives. Last night, Sean Hannity, he just went crazy. I'm just going to cut out a little bit of what he did and what he talked about, about Attorney General Merrick Garland. The walls are closing in on Merrick Garland's uh, politicized and weaponized DOJ and the top Biden family syndicate protector. Yep. It's happening. We know that somebody is lying. And according to the New York Post, David Weiss, he was the U.S. attorney that was tasked with investigating Hunter Biden, told not one but six witnesses that his hands his hands were completely and totally tied in regard to this investigation into Hunter and to Joe. IRS whistleblower uh, Gary Shapley claims that Weiss said, quote, I'm not deciding of uh, the deciding official on whether charges are filed. Uh, that whistleblower, Gary Shapley, now is speaking out. Look at this from CBS. There were personal expenses 
that were taken as business expenses. Prostitutes, sex club memberships, hotel rooms for purported drug dealers. How much did Hunter Biden owe in taxes? So from 2014 to 2019, it was $2.2 million. I documented exactly what happened, and it doesn't seem to match what the attorney general or the U.S. attorney are saying today. There were certain investigative steps that we weren't allowed to take that could have led us to President Biden. And you wanted to take them? We needed to take them. And you weren't allowed to take them? That's correct. By the way, note to Hunter Biden, uh, Hunter, uh, sex club uh, initiation fees, they're not tax deductible. Even clubs you get the thrown out of because you're a jackass, which happened. Anyway, Hunter's not going to spend a year in jail. Now, Weiss allegedly now claiming that Biden appointed a U.S. attorney uh, from D.C. would not allow him to charge Hunter in his district. He wanted to. Weiss also allegedly says he was blocked from bringing charges in California by another Biden-appointed U.S. attorney. Ultimately, this refusal to prosecute meant that Hunter's tax crimes that are alleged from 2014 and 15, etc., uh, stemming from his work with Burisma Holdings, the oil giant in Ukraine, would be excluded. That also meant that the statute of limitation they were allowed to expire, enabling the DOJ to sanitize Hunter's charges. And according to the IRS whistleblower, and it's not just one, but the one you heard from, Weiss, quote, asked for a special counsel authority uh, from the DOJ, Merrick Garland, but he was denied that authority. He said he had more power than a special counsel. Here's where things get very, very dicey for all involved. You see, Attorney General Merrick Garland is telling a much different story, and he told the story repeatedly. Take a look. Mr. Weiss was appointed by President Trump as the U.S. Attorney in Delaware and assigned this matter during the previous administration, would be permitted to continue his investigation and to make a decision to prosecute any way in which he wanted to, and in any district in which he wanted to. Mr. Weiss reportedly wanted to uh, uh, have powers you've conferred on special counsels. Was that request ever made? And if so, uh, did you, why did you reject it? It was not. The only person with authority to make somebody a special counsel or refuse to make somebody a special counsel is the attorney general. Mr. Weiss never made that request to me. Can you explain the rationale for not appointing a special counsel in this case? Mr. Weiss had, in fact, more authority than a special counsel would have. He has complete, he, has, he had and has complete authority, as I said, to bring a case anywhere he wants in his discretion. Does the Delaware U.S. attorney lack independent charging authority over certain criminal allegations against the president's son outside of the district of Delaware? Um, he would have to bring, if it's in another district, he would have to bring the case in another district. But as I said, uh, I have promised to ensure that he's able to carry out uh, his investigation and that he be able to run it. And if he uh, needs to bring it in another jurisdiction, he will have full authority to do that. He was denied that full authority, not once, but twice. And as you can see, Garland continued to echo those exact same claims over and over again. Also, he included those claims in uh, a testimony made before Congress, sworn testimony. So was Merrick Garland lying under oath? In other words, did he commit perjury to protect the Biden family syndicate? Has the weaponization of Joe Biden's Department of Justice now finally caught up with all of them? Because now tonight we have six 
separate IRS witnesses, whistleblowers that have documented Weiss's prosecutorial woes in real time. They also took contemporaneous notes in real time. Uh, and uh, by the way, they're not all lying. They were writing down what Weiss was saying. Yeah, this guy won't let me prosecute here. I can't go to California there. The exact opposite of what Merrick Garland was testifying to under oath. Now think about it. Garland's DOJ just gifted Hunter Biden with one of the most generous sweetheart deals in history. If you don't believe me, ask uh, Wesley Snipe. Uh, ask others that have been charged with, with crimes that Hunter had been charged with but got three, four years in jail. This is a deal that kept Hunter out of jail, protected the big guy, Joe Biden, from facing any legal scrutiny. And according to Weiss and what he told six whistleblowers, again, they took notes, in order to achieve these tremendous results, the DOJ interfered in this election. They ignored nonpartisan investigators. They blocked charges in two different states, and they let the staff statute of limitations pass, and then they lied about it under oath. Uh, didn't uh, John Durham just point out uh, the FBI and the DOJ gave special treatment to Hillary Clinton compared to Donald Trump? The system in this country is corrupt. There is no question the system in this century, as Sean said, is corrupt. So you just heard it from one very partisan perspective. Sean Hannity, he makes no bones about it. He's a hardcore conservative. He, by the way, is not a registered Republican either. Larry Kudlow, on the other hand, has been in several different administrations through the years, and not all Republicans. And, of course, now he has a show on uh, Fox Business, and he appears often on Fox News. Kudlow, yesterday, he he brought his opinion to the table, about this Merrick Garland Attorney General stuff from a little bit different perspective. Yesterday on Fox and Friends, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy launched a broadside against Attorney General Merrick Garland. It made it perfectly clear that the House was prepared to impeach the Attorney General. Take a listen. Yesterday I laid out very, very clearly by July 6th because of the allegations from the IRS, because of the whistleblowers and the DOJ, our, our Garland, what he is saying and what David Weiss are saying privately are two different things. Right. And if it comes true what the IRS whistleblower is saying, we're going to start impeachment inquiries on the attorney general. All right. Without question, the case against Garland is growing almost on a daily basis. Seasoned IRS investigators turned whistleblowers were quite clear that the Justice Department interfered in their tax investigation of Hunter Biden, and it was equally clear that Garland's DOJ was protecting Hunter Biden. Now, in front of a half a dozen people in U.S. Attorney David Weiss told a me I call it Weiss, Weiss, told a meeting that he, Weiss, wasn't the deciding official in charging Biden Jr. Weiss also fingered Matthew Graves, the U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia, who wouldn't allow him to bring charges against Hunter Biden. Hat tip to Bill McGurn's Wall Street Journal column on that one. And finally, Weiss asked for special counsel status and was denied by the Justice Department. Now, under oath, Garland responded to Senator Chuck Grassley a while back. He said this about Mr. Weiss. 
Uh, the, the U.S. attorney in Delaware has been uh, advised that he has full authority to bring cases in other jurisdictions. Uh, he is not to be denied uh, anything that he needs. I have pledged not to interfere uh, with that investigation, and I uh, have carried through on my pledge. So that looks a lot like lying under oath. And of course, Garland has epitomized the double standard of justice prevailing during the Joe Biden years. The complete politicalization of our system, as has his cohort FBI director, Christopher Wray. I mean, think of this. Hunter Biden was investigated for five years, covering two administrations, came out with a sweetheart deal, which was punitive-wise a nothing burger. But during the Biden administration, Donald Trump was investigated for seven months by the Garland Justice Department, and they came up with 400 years in jail for Joe Biden's principal presidential opponent. The Biden-Garland strategy, of course, to fear Trump the most and therefore put him in jail as quick as possible to avoid running against him. So that's bad. That is very bad. That is awfully bad. But in effect, legally, Garland's lying under oath, although punishable, just doesn't seem near as bad as Joe Biden taking a bribe from a foreign national nor Joe Biden heading up a RICO-type racketeering effort by his entire family. Pay-for-play bribery is high treason and misdemeanor. I know it's an allegation at present, and I also know the evidentiary proof is not yet 100% complete. But investigations by House committees on oversight and judiciary and ways and means are moving at warp speed toward a Biden pay-for-play scandal proof. And if it's true, it would be the biggest political scandal in American history. So my point is a simple one. Why go for the smaller fish of justice and then let the big fish in the White House get off the hook? Biden's going to throw Garland under the bus when the time comes. But in terms of impeachment, Mr. Biden has committed crimes that can only be brought to justice through impeachment and no place else in our justice system today. I'm going to finish this conversation, this segment, by throwing one thought out there as we go to break. You know the name Nicolas Maduro? Nicaragua? Here's what happens in countries like in Nicaragua and some of these other Central American, South American nations. When somebody comes in, especially a brutal dictator, when they come into office, they always have opposition when they run in these so-called faux elections where the election results are stacked and they're just given to the public and not necessarily the true results, but what the despot that's running for whatever office it is, what that despot says they are. Nicolas Maduro, Nicaragua, He had an opponent. What did he do with his opponent? He had his opponent jailed for trumped-up charges, no pun intended, trumped-up charges that put his opponent in jail for 50 years. Now, Donald Trump's running again. Joe Biden says he's running again. The two faced each other in 2020. Joe Biden came out with the victory, whether it was just, whether it was accurate, whether it reflected the votes that were cast, 
There are arguments on both sides of it. It's not resolved. But in America, in democracy, you don't go after your political opponent even before an election and try to put him in jail. In a world gone mad, telling the truth is a bold move. Your anchor in this sea of chaos is TNN, the Truth News Network. We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. Little Caesars Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesars. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesars Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Made a mistake. I got to correct my mistake. I mentioned that Maduro was in Nicaragua. He was not, is not in Nicaragua. Venezuela is that other third world country. Nicaragua is not much better. Nevertheless, I got it wrong. Please forgive me. Now, as we move on, and we've got to move on, we got much ground to cover today. Here's something interesting. We were just talking about this administration going after a political opponent, Donald Trump. There's news out this morning in the case brought against Donald Trump by special counsel Jack Smith, a case that's pending. A federal judge has denied Jack Smith the special counsel's request to file a confidential list of 84 witnesses in the classified documents case involving Trump and his co-defendant Walt Nauta. Smith's motion sought to keep the list of witnesses a secret from Trump and forbid him from communicating directly with them about the case. U.S. District Judge Eileen Cannon, a Trump appointee, said in her order that prosecutors failed to explain why it was necessary to keep the names of those people under seal or why redacting or partially sealing the document would be inadequate. According to Cannon's order, Trump's attorneys took no position on Smith's motion, but reserved the right to object to aspects of it, like its implementation. Judge Cannon also said that numerous news organizations opposed Smith's motion in court filings that cited the First Amendment 
and related legal principles, which makes sense to me. I mean, we either have the freedom of speech or we don't. Upon review of the foregoing materials, the government's motion is denied without prejudice, and the motion to intervene and accompanying motions to appear pro hoc vice are denied as moot, Cannon wrote in a ruling. The government's motion does not explain why filing the list with the court is necessary. It doesn't offer a particularized basis to justify sealing the list from public view. It does not explain why partial sealing, redaction, or means other than sealing are unavailable or unsatisfactory, and it does not specify the duration of any proposed seal. In that motion, Smith said, the government provided Trump's legal team with a list of witnesses they wished to remain under seal. The court had previously instructed Trump at his June 13th arraignment, where he pled not guilty, not to engage in any communication with Nauta or the witnesses involved in the case. What's that all about? Well, Smith doesn't trust Donald Trump. And guess what else it proves? He didn't say it, but it proves that he does not trust the media either. He knows that if the judge does not take that list of witnesses and lock it up somewhere, that it's going to be all over the news. Why? Because it is big news. It's kind of funny. (laughs) Media on the left, they're going to go after and report about anything, about anybody that's bad, and they don't care if it's left or right. Now, it used to not be that way. They ran cover for everybody on the left for a long time. But you know what? I think they've gotten so tired of trying to cover up for Uncle Joe, and they've seen now that he just ignores them and everything they try to bring to the table because he always screws it up himself. So it's kind of like, you're on your own, Uncle Joe. (laughs) We're not going to run cover for you anymore. So we've got this election coming up. I know it's, it's now June, almost July of 2023. That's not till the fall of 2024, Dan. That's a long way away. It isn't a long way away. Maybe it's just me getting old. I'll just say that. Yeah, it's me getting old. The older I get, the faster days fly by and months and years. And before we know it, November of 2021 is going to be, excuse me, 2024 is going to be here and we're going to be voting again. We're all going to be watching television for results locally, statewide, and of course the national numbers because we have a presidential election. This time, Joe and a host of Republicans, of course there'll only be one Republican left in that race at that time, but it's going to be the most important election in our lives. Now, how can I say that? Because of this, every election is the most important one in your life because that's the one that's happening right now. You can't do anything about elections and election results behind you. Doesn't do any good to fret about those. We need to learn from them, of course, the way they were operated, things that weren't done right, things that weren't done that should have been, all of those things, but during an election's not the time to do it. It's in between the elections. Those things need to be handled. And there's been a bunch of it worked on diligently, probably more than at any other time in history. 
since the 2020 election showed a lot of problems in many states' processes. And I think 15 states or so have made legislative changes, real structural changes in their election processes, most of them to make sure that votes are counted properly and that nobody that shouldn't vote legally is able to vote or at least have their votes counted. We'll just have to wait and see on that. Now, talking about elections, talking about candidates and who's good and who's bad, if you think Joe Biden is bad, you're going to love the nightmarish Democrat duo that could come in after Uncle Joe. As if not being able to finish the sentence wasn't enough, these corruption allegations have turned Joe into an even bigger liability for the Democrat National Fascist Party. The likeliest move will be to let him off easy in return for stepping out of the way. Democrats, to do that, will need a pair of candidates to replace the Biden-Harris train wreck as worthy successors to Merrick Garland's police state. So who's going to enter the fro? Gavin Governor Hairjail Newsom and Stretchin Gretcher Whitmer. That's right, the Michigan government. Governor, she has high national political plans, always has. And for her, this would be a perfect opportunity for all of us to get to know Stretchin Gretchen. For a party that looks to turn America into an oligarch state that runs our lives for quote-unquote betterment, no better choices than these two card-carrying enforcers of the common good. Although neither has announced, and Whitmer's denied the rumors about her, their actions suggest they both intend to enter the race in some capacity. This duo will be our worst nightmare if they get anywhere near Washington. Both are especially evil, even among competitors like J.B. Pritzker and Chuck Schumer. Unlike the latter two, Whitmer and Newsom, they're competent agents of destruction. They do a great job, both of them, having mastered the arts of virtue signaling, divide and conquer, and tactics straight out of the Soviet bloc. And they made themselves sound convincing while they've been doing it. And by the way, Whitmer is attractive enough and Newsom isn't a a morbidly obese walking meme who gives health advice. (laughs) That's talking about the former New Jersey governor. Gretchen Whitmer's resume includes the COVID lockdowns, letting the Communist Party into Michigan, and that fake kidnapping plot. But she went much further, even for a Democrat. She banned the sale of non-essential items like, you know, American flags and seeds. Seeds. I'm talking about seeds that you plant for stuff to grow. She banned it. Her latest endeavors involve two totalitarian favorites, gun control and hate speech laws, one in which a crime severity is based on the feelings of the offended person. It hurt my feelings. That was hate speech. Wah, wah, wah. You pair that with a penchant towards seizing the food supply. And we got a nice little warning of what's to come should they become president 
and vice president. Then there's Gavin, a through-and-through elitist, nothing but contempt for every one of his constituents, famous for circumventing every lockdown rule in the book, from the French Laundry restaurant dinner to exempting his own Napa Valley vineyard from shutdowns, the guy doesn't even pretend to care. He doesn't try to hide any of it. When he apologized, he couldn't stop smiling and holding back laughter, laughter at you and me because we can't do those kinds of things. We got to toe the line, not Gavin. By the way, he also won that recall referendum by the exact same percentage down to the decimal as he won his 2018 race for the governorship. But this behavior pales in comparison to Gavin's seeming desire to turn America into communist Romania, where rolling blackouts were commonplace, kind of like, you know, California. The dictator there in Romania was known for using them as political weapons, turning off the power at night throughout the capital of Bucharest, except in his palace and his government buildings. According to Romanian tour guides who lived through it, it was all about control, reminding the plebes that they lived at the mercy of the state. Sound a little familiar? (laughs) And worst of all, there is the genital-cutting sanctuary law, which allows California to seize your kids from out-of-state parents if the child considers himself trans. Newsom has made cutting off kids' genitals a human right in California. Merrick Garland's done a pretty good job at demolishing this country. While Biden sits on the sidelines eating his ice cream, he loves ice cream, does Uncle Joe. But we Americans, we're waking up to the ongoing slow-mo combination of every major socialist communist revolution since 1917. We're finding out what they were all about, and we're comparing them all to what this Democrat fascist party wants to make our nation. Democrats need to bring out the big guns while there are still enough depressed suburban women, snowflake students, and public charges to vote for them before they lose their window of opportunity. Newsom and Whitmer don't even try to look collectible, which has been the standard Democrat counter to Trump. Nor do they pretend to give a rip. Why would they, when they've gotten people to vote for them despite the major neon-flashing red signs that people are ignoring? This upcoming 24 election might be their now-or-never moment to finish the job. And if the voters don't show up, ah, you know, they'll have their ways. So get ready, America. If you think Biden was bad, you're in for a world of pain if either of these two get in or both of them. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be different, and we're going to be screaming even louder than we are right now. And I don't know about you, but I'm (laughs) I'm screaming pretty loud. I can't stand what we're going through. It is just every day. Every single day, it's just one more thing. And one more thing we're never hearing anything about today, and it's our southern border. I mean, every day, 
thousands of illegals are still coming into the United States and thousands of illegals are being released by Alejandro Mayorkas, the Department of Homeland Security secretary, into towns and cities all across the nation. It's no big deal. We're taking care of those poor people trying to just get away from those horrible conditions where they lived in their home countries to come here to the freest, fairest nation on earth. So, in the middle of this record-breaking influx of these illegal aliens into the U.S., four more of President Biden's top board of officials have resigned their post in the last few days. Four more. That brings the total to seven in recent months. These are people at the top, the people that have been there for many, many years, and they know everything going on, and they can't stand what this administration is doing or not doing. The latest came just this week from the Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security, John Tian, who announced he was leaving only a year after he was appointed. Then a highly decorated Army vet who served as director of the National Security Council under the Obama and Bush administrations, he had some credibility. He said he was leaving to spend more time with his family in Georgia. Ira Melman, a senior spokesman for the Federation of American Immigration Reform, that's FAIR for short, FAIR, he said that Tian's explanation ranks right up there with my dog eating my homework. <laughs> there comes a time when you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, I just can't do this anymore. Melman said he was referring to what the described as absolute chaos by many spreading through the U.S. under the Biden administration's open border policy. On June 22nd, his organization, which tracks the impact of illegals on our nation, released the results of a report showing that illegal aliens cost you and I $163 billion bucks a year. The group also reported the population of illegals living in the U.S., is now up to 16.8 million. That's more than the population of 46 of 50 states. That's according to Texas Congressman Troy Nails. Melman said FAIR's advocacy office is hearing from more and more Americans who are complaining they're losing housing and job opportunities, losing those to the mass of illegal border crossers. Towns far from the border are also feeling the impact. In Unity, Maine, this week, Unity, Maine, metropolis in the nation's most northeast state, Maine, a rural, nearly all-white college town is Unity, only have about 2,000 inhabitants with a median annual income of a little under $27,000. The residents in Unity were upset to learn they were inheriting six hundred illegal immigrants from Portland. And by the way, Portland is one of those self-appointed sanctuary cities where they're screaming politically and in the media. Send us those illegals. We want them here. There's also a major unrest among frontline workers down at the border. Out of the 9,300 border agents that responded to a DHS survey, one quarter of them said they plan to quit their job in the near future. 
Some have also accused the Biden folks of silencing whistleblowers on controversial issues like reports of thousands of missing migrant kids. You know, we brought this up two weeks ago, three weeks ago. We talk about it all the time, these missing children. More than 100,000 now. These are kids that came to the United States. They were processed. They were turned over to these NGOs, these not-for-profit organizations that exist only to take care of these kids. They place them in homes, and there's 100,000 of these kids that are now unaccounted for. These NGOs, they don't have records. They haven't followed up as they were legally supposed to do when these kids were placed by them. So where are these kids? You and I both know. They're being trafficked around the world. Sex trafficking, human trafficking of all kinds. And there are a bunch of these kids that find their way into different parts of our society, mostly in small towns and cities, and they're working horrible adult jobs sometimes 10, 12 hours a day for basically nothing. Biden doing nothing about it. The chairman of the Subcommittee on National Security, the Border and Foreign Affairs, Glenn Grothman, a Republican from Wisconsin, he said at a hearing last week that Homeland Security's Inspector General officials involved in an investigation into border activity have reported feeling intimidated if they speak up. Grothman entitled the June 6 hearing, Help Wanted, Law Enforcement Staffing Challenges at the Border. More signs of unrest came on May 31st when 18 states filed a federal complaint against the Biden administration for its new, quote, circumvention of lawful pathways policy, which is supported by a controversial phone app that Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody said allows aliens to schedule their entry into the United States, thereby bypassing vetting and safety protocols. They get on this app, and they actually schedule a date when they're going to go to one of the ports of entries. And just because they're doing the app, they're exempt. When they get there, they just wave them on through. Same day that state complaint was filed, U.S. Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz announced he was resigning. A few days later, Tay Johnson, Immigration and Customs Enforcement Acting Chief, handed in his resignation. Then came DHS's Acting Deputy Commissioner, Benjamin Huffman, his announcement that he was retiring on June 9th after serving only one year. Their departure follows Customs and Border Protection Commissioner Chris Magnus's departure back in November. Magnus stepped down after reports that Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary, threatened to fire him if he didn't quit. It's never been disclosed why Mayorkas wanted Magnus off the job. Here's my problem with all of this. None of this is being addressed. None of it's being addressed, and it's impacting directly the lives of millions of people every day, 24-7. Not just the people in the United States that are confronted by this flood of humanity coming across the southern border. You can't stick 18 million, 20 million, 
people into any nation, even as big as this one, and it not make major impacts on the people of the nation and also the infrastructure, every type of infrastructure in a nation. And it's doing it to the United States. But guess what? We're not being told. What is the real financial impact? Forget about the others. The jobs that are being taken, the housing that's being used, the prices for everything going up because the demand for that goes up as these millions of illegals come here and they need places to stay. They need food to eat and they need jobs. Nobody's talking about that. Not a soul. But what we do know is that is a massive part of the economic throws that we're going through and the massive inflation that we're still sitting trying to work our way through as Americans, when many, more than half the nation, we're now told, many people economically can't live beyond paycheck to paycheck. They can't lay their hands on $1,000 in cash that they've saved because savings days are over. Bidenflation has taken care of it all. It's gone. Dunkin' is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Dunkin' with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. ABC Tonight, it's all about big cash. Here we go! And big crash. <laughs> On the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. To win it all. A big winner of $1 million. Then, host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Suite. On your carts! Get set! Yeah. And we're going to need a cleanup on every aisle. You are on fire! It all starts tonight, 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Dinner, dinner, dinner. Every day you have to think of what's for dinner. Well, now Subway has a solution that is sure to please every person you have to feed for that last meal of the day. It's called Dinner Tonight. Every day after 4 p.m., Subway is offering a Dinner Tonight special, which includes two regular 6-inch subs, two bags of chips, and two 21-ounce fountain drinks, all for just $11.99. This offer is available all day long on Sundays. Subway of Kodiak. Eat fresh. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Violence, screaming obscenities, heated arguments, angry crowds, roller derby? Nah. Election season. And your voice of calm is truthnewsnet.org. <laughs> I don't know if I can calm this environment down. We've just gone postal. Americans are finally at a point where we're all saying we've had enough. We've had enough. We can't. We've tried, but we can't 
any longer just play like there's nothing going on that is evil. Yeah, we know all the time, 24-7, there are people around us in the U.S. that are evil, and evil people do evil things. That's how they get the label, right? And they're going to continue to it. I mean, haters going to hate. <laughs> you've, you've heard the song. It's true. People are going to be what people are. They're going to replicate themselves. That's human nature. But I'm just not ready to go through this craziness in the upcoming election cycle that we've seen happen every two, every four years now for decades in every one of them. It just gets worse and worse and worse. Much of it has to do with media coverage. Now everybody has got to be, every news agency's got to be all over it, top to bottom, 24-7. And they're all looking for a shtick that makes them look good or feel good or better than their opponents in media. Should be about getting you and I the information that we need. That's what it should be about. But it's not. I mean, look at Fox News of all places, conservative icon media for decades. And it's just killed itself when they cut that deal to kick out Tucker Carlson on that show. Their ratings went in the tank for the first time. They're getting beat every night now. Just because they let Tucker Carlson go, it's not Tucker. Let me tell you what it did. It opened the eyes of millions of conservative Americans to the fact that even the conservative news icon, Fox News, is going to bend a knee to whoever the political powers are at the moment if and when those political powers demand that Fox News do something. And they did it. Dominion voting machines in that multi-billion dollar lawsuit that Dominion filed against Fox and a couple of months ago, we found out they settled it all. We thought, finally, we're going to get back to normal. Apparently, part of that settlement was Fox had to get rid of Tucker Carlson. Now, look at what happened to Fox News. I can't even make a guess at how much money Fox has lost since Carlson left. And they're going to try to fix things. They announced yesterday, Jesse is going to go to Tucker's old spot. They move Laura Ingram to where Jesse was before Tucker Carlson now will be there before Jesse, Sean Hannity in his same spot, and they're moving the comedy nighttime talk show Gutfelt. They're moving him from 10 o'clock Central to Laura Ingram's old spot. They think that's going to make a big difference. I like Jesse Waters. I like him a lot. He's funny, he's got a great personality, and he's one of those guys you would just like to hang out with. I love going to New York. I would love nothing better on my next trip to New York if I could just go share a meal, maybe a drink with Jesse. He's just one of those kind of guys. But I don't think Jesse is powerful enough to replace Tucker Carlson because Tucker is a conservative, very much so. He's more conservative than I am. He's a libertarian. And he never hesitated to speak the facts as he saw them. Never. That gave him his power politically, and it gave him his power in media. 
And when Fox did what they did, they shot themselves not in the foot. They shot themselves in the head. And they're going to pay a price for it. I wanted to get that out there before I forgot about it in the show today. Governor Christy Nome, she made the circuit in New York last week. Several of her appearances were obviously talking about things that she projected needed to be changed and could be changed if and when the Biden administration decided to do it. But finally, she's given up and she says, we just got to get rid of this guy. We created a machine and the oil was starting. We were energy independent. We were within four months of energy dominance. We were going to be supplying all of the natural gas and oil to Europe, all of it, as far as I was concerned. Remember, I was the one that stopped Putin from building his pipeline. I got it stopped. When Biden came in, he approved it. I said, this guy just approved it. Goes to Germany and other parts of Europe. I said, this is a disaster. The infrastructure was there. The oil guys were there. We were going to make so much money as a country. You look at Saudi Arabia. You look at the wealth that they built. We have more oil than they do. I got Anwar approved in Alaska. It's as big or bigger than Saudi Arabia. The first day of the Biden administration, they terminated the deal. Ronald Reagan tried to do Anwar. He was unsuccessful doing it. Bush tried. Everybody tried to do it all for years and years, for 60 years. I got it done. It was all done. They're getting ready to drill. And Biden ended it. It's all true. Donald Trump ripping into President Biden's oil agenda last night with Brett Baer, accusing him of destroying any progress made on the push for energy independence in America. Look where we're at. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem joins us now. Governor, it's what would have been, and Anwar has not been developed. Uh, is there anything we can do to change that? Because the American people are not on board with high gas and oil prices. We need a new president. Uh, we need a new president in the White House that makes very different decisions. And President Trump is exactly right. He did shut down Anwar right away. He also killed the Keystone Pipeline on day one in office. That was going to come through South Dakota and help us through the middle of the country get the resources that we need to run our industries. And the fact of the matter is, is that we're stronger when we're energy independent, when we produce our own food in this country. And Joe Biden has made both of those much more vulnerable. All right, uh, President uh, Xi Jinping, not the best diplomacy. The president also said when it comes to the balloon that the, pre the president, she was embarrassed by it uh, and had no idea it was there and was angry that it was shot down. And according to the intelligence community, that was the intelligence that not should have been said publicly. Can you imagine if Trump did that? I can't. I can't. It's such a double standard. And listen, you know, President Biden has no idea how to conduct with diplomacy. He says crazy stuff that hurts relationships that keeps us from securing our country. And now that they're building a training base at Cuba and have the intention to do that, that jeopardizes our national security to an even greater extent. It's why I've continuously talked about the fact that we have resources in the middle of this country is where we should be putting our security operations. We have been doubling and tripling our cybersecurity training university so that we can have those protections that being in the middle of this country provides. We, we don't have Russian subs and ships conducting surveillance off of the coasts of South Dakota. We're protected by our own people. Uh, we don't have bases on Cuba that are a threat to us. So we've been training the NSA employers 
employees here in South Dakota. We've been putting in uh, security operations at our Air Force base, knowing that the, the safest part mm. for a lot of our security information is in the middle of our country, not out on the coasts anymore. But this can't stand. 100 miles off our border, a, mm -hmm. a, a failed mm -hmm. government, communist government, and they'll do training right off our border. They're come back as well. Mm -hmm. You have Taiwan. You militarize Taiwan. Why don't I militarize Cuba? What's your, what's your response? Well, it should be unacceptable, absolutely. It shouldn't surprise us. And I think that our reaction right away to be, should be to protect our country. Move our, our necessary security operations to the middle of the country so that we have them protected by our people, mm -hmm. by our landmass. This isn't a new thought. We've talked about doing it for years. We need strong action. Right. And then we need to go out there and make sure we're shutting down that camp uh, and not allowing it that close to the United States of America. Uh, that can't stand, and that's a no-brainer. How do you talk to mm -hmm. China and that right. not come up? Meanwhile. Governor Nome, domestically, you have a mission, and that's to fill some of the thousands of jobs that you have open. Here's the ad that you're releasing. Listen. South Dakota's hiring as the first state to bounce back from the pandemic. We've got one of the nation's strongest economies and more jobs than we can fill. That's why I'm pitching in. Right. So you need you need people with uh, skills. We do. Brian, we've got the lowest unemployment in our state that we've had in the history of the nation. So everybody in South Dakota gets up and goes to work every day, and that's wonderful. That's why our population is growing at 10 times the national average. Incomes are going up faster than anywhere else. People are thriving. But I still have empty jobs. So we're doing a national recruitment campaign to people to come to South Dakota if they want to work hard, make more money, live in safe communities, that we will plug them into businesses and industry and give them their skill set right on the job today. How great is uh, that? It's an incredible partnership. Hmm. It's amazing because they're going to end up being licensed uh, plumbers and welders, dental hygienists. We've got hundreds of teachers that are signing up to be trained in the classroom to be certified teachers. Just go to freedomworkshere.com and you'll be able to get all the information. Freedomworkshere.com is where all of those individuals will get the chance to really see the opportunities we can provide in South Dakota. All right, there you go. Uh, Mount Rushmore's there, and Governor Christy Noem will not take mm -hmm. your state tax dollars, and she also might be your teacher nope. when it comes to welding or plumbing. <laughs> That's true. All right, she is multi, uh, <laughs> she's multi-talented. Governor Noem, uh, thanks so much. Christy Noem is the example of what a government is should be doing in each of the 50 states in our territories trying to find ways to make it better for their people instead of clamping down on their people. There's just too much of that going on, way too much. And, of course, the jobs are there, the high-income opportunities are there, and so what better way than in a capitalist state, in a capitalist country, is find the best way to provide what's needed for people to come work there and then provide the services and the goods that are needed in these particular states. Instead of sitting around and griping, as most or many of our governments are doing, our governors are doing because their states are not doing well, instead of that which accomplishes nothing, just go do something. Make a difference. Do something positive. Say something positive. Instead of doing things like calling names, I mean, racism, transphobia. It's just one after another. We did a little research, little research on racism, racism in our leadership, 
and racism in their histories. Because remember, they are quick, they being the fascist Democrats, they're quick to point fingers at people and look back in the lineage, the history, the biology of all these people with who they disagree and, you know, slap labels on them. Researchers have found that the only living former president who is not a direct descendant of slaveholders, now think about this question. I'll give you the answer in a minute. Which living former president, there isn't one, who is not a direct descendant of slaveholders, which one of our former presidents would you think that would be? Most of you would probably say Barack Obama. It's not. It's Donald Trump. Barack Obama's relatives once owned slaves. Current President Joe Biden also descended from slave owners. You know who else did? Vice President Kamala Harris. We're talking about presidents, but I thought I'd throw her in there. Her great-grandfather was the number one slave owner in Jamaica, owned over 200 slaves. This is all history. So in an examination of the history of America's political elite conducted by Reuters, they found that five living ex-presidents and over 100 members of Congress descended from slave owners, including race-baiting Democrat Senator Elizabeth Warren, two Supreme Court justices, and even 11 of our governors. The results of the research were reported by Reuters yesterday, a week after the celebration of the new federal holiday of Juneteenth. And or they are an inconvenient intrusion upon the narrative of Democrats who consistently present themselves as the saviors of black people while smearing Trump as a racist and a white supremacist. There is no slave ownership in his history, in his genealogy, none, not one. In addition to Obama and Biden, Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, all had relatives who cracked the whip on black folks. Trump's family immigrated to the U.S. after slavery was abolished. Reuters sought the assistance of the record-linking lab at Brigham Young University to finish this data to put it all together that it says were provided to those who had determined had a family tree that included slave owners and that were given a chance to comment. In notifying political elites of their family ties to slaveholding ownership, we identified which of their ancestors enslaved people, how many people that those ancestors enslaved, and how many generations removed that ancestor is from them. We also sought the comment from each public official to understand how learning about their family connection to slavery might impact them personally and whether that knowledge might inform their views on policy matters. Both Biden and Obama, who, by the way, have exploited racial division for political gain, they declined to provide any comments. Bill Clinton also didn't provide any on the findings. The one living former Republican president, George W. Bush, responded to his chief of staff in a statement. Here's what he said. Thanks for your important research in helping bring this to light 
As President Bush said at the dedication of the National Museum of African American History and Culture, quote, a great nation does not hide its history. It faces its flaws and it corrects them. We can't move closer to our founding promise of equal opportunity without remembering the founding sin of slavery. That disturbing past inspires us to go farther and faster on the journey toward a better future of liberty and justice for all. Another Democrat on the list, Jimmy Carter, is currently in hospice care and is too ill to provide any feedback. At this point, I'm afraid we have to decline an interview as the family is focusing on President Carter's health during his hospice care. As you likely know, President Carter has been a champion of racial justice since his time as governor of Georgia and has written extensively on how he first understood race and how it impacted him, his life, and his political life. That's the spokesperson for Carter in a statement to Reuters. In addition to Senator Warren, other lawmakers who made the list included Senators Tammy Duckworth, Democrat from Illinois, Gene Shaheen, Democrat of New Hampshire, Debbie Stabenow, Democrat of Michigan, Maggie Hassan, Democrat of North uh, uh, of New Hampshire, Mitch McConnell, Republican from Kentucky, Lindsey Graham, Republican from South Carolina, and Angus King, an independent from Maine, as well as dozens of members of the House. Supreme Court Justices Amy Coney Barrett and Neil Gorsuch, they have ancestors who were slaveholders, while the newest Supreme Court member, Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson, descended from slaves, according to a recent Washington Post report. Quote, Reuters only considered evidence of slaveholding that occurred after the founding of the U.S. Journalists also limited their research to direct lineal ancestors of the present-day elite rather than building sprawling family trees that included distant cousins. And by the way, you can go to Reuters if you want to get the results. There's a link there, and you can get it in a searchable format. Now, why are we talking about that? I think it's it's really kind of humorous to point this out because you know what? This proves this proves that anybody can weaponize anything if they want to. They can always find a way to weaponize it against a political opponent. It's just one of those things. Basically, nobody's without flaw. Nobody has never made a mistake. It's what you do afterwards when the evidence shows up and you see and understand it. What do you do about it then? And speaking of polls, Vice President Kamala Harris, she's in the record books now. Record books. She set a new record. What was that? When an NBC News poll revealed she is the most unpopular vice president in U.S. history. It's true. Polls showed 49% of registered voters have a negative view of the vice president, and that's not all. Overall, Harris received a net negative rating of minus 17. That's the lowest net negative rating for a vice president in the history of the poll went up against the last four VPs during their tenures, while Mike Pence, negative four in October of 2019, 
Joe Biden plus one, December of 2010. Dick Cheney plus 23 in May of 2003. And Al Gore plus 15 in March of 95. The poll also set out in October 2019, 38% of respondents had a negative view of Harris's predecessor, former VP Pence, while 34% of those surveyed had a positive view of the now Republican presidential candidate. The dire numbers come as White House officials work with Harris to repair her image and delay the fears expressed as far back as 2021 that she's a liability to Democrat hopes to retain power. I mean, I know bunches of Democrats. They won't vote for Biden if he is the candidate that runs for the Democrat nomination and wins to go up against whoever the Republican opponent is next year. They just won't vote for him if Kamala Harris is his running mate. So here we are. We've got a presidential candidate, an incumbent president, that more of his people than don't want him to get out of the race, not to run for president for re-election. And then he's his running mate <laughs> is the most unpopular vice president in history. That does not bode well for Joe Biden. It also doesn't bode well for the Democrat Party in the upcoming 2024 race. And remember, it's never just who runs for president and the results of the voting for that person. It all streams downhill from there, and it impacts state positions, U.S. senatorial positions, U.S. House of Representative candidate positions in every one of the 50 states. It's all interrelated. It's linked together. It's called coattails. And if anybody or everybody tried to get on to Joe Biden's coattails, you want to let go real quick because at the end of the day, there's not a whole lot of good that comes from it. Now, as you probably know, this week, the Newman family vacation, we are at uh, St. Simon's Island. We're on the Atlantic Ocean on the eastern coast of South Georgia. Normally, we go to the Redneck Riviera, that's Destin, Florida, or Gulf Shores, Alabama. There's some really bad news coming out of that part of the country today. Florida Sheriff is blasting this morning beachgoers for ignoring warnings. And he did that, this Florida Sheriff, right before XNFL quarterback Ryan Mallett drowned. The sheriff is frustrated. He's frustrated with beachgoers that don't pay attention to the warning signs about dangerous waters. And he did that days before Ryan Mallett died by drowning. The quarterback drowned in the waters near Destin in Arkansas. That comes from Deltaplex News in Arkansas. They first reported it yesterday. Bay County Sheriff Tommy Ford He warned those going to the beach need to be careful after the recent spike of drowning deaths, which he said put first responders at risk. Bay County is near Okaloosa County, where Destin, Florida, is located. Both counties sit along the Gulf of Mexico. I'm beyond frustrated, the sheriff said, at the situation that we have with a tragic and number of unnecessary deaths in the Gulf. 
I've watched while deputies, firefighters, and lifeguards have risked their lives to save strangers. I've seen strangers die trying to save children and loved ones, including two fathers on Father's Day. These same heroes who have risked it all to save others have been cursed and given the finger while trying to warn visitors of the life-threatening dangers. Riptides is what it's all about for those of you that know. That's where tides will sometimes run down the beach coastline far enough offshore where people will get in it and you think that you're not going to be pulled by the riptides, but you are. And many times those riptides pull you out further, further into whatever ocean you're in. As I'm saying that, I'm looking out at just beyond the beach here in front of me and there are two dolphins, three dolphins that now are swimming. It's just a beautiful sight and people are drawn to it. We always have been our family every year for many, many years until our kids grew up and started getting married and moving away, some of them. We were at the beach every year at least one week. Just be careful when you go. Pay attention to the signs. It happens quickly in many cases, and that's a scary thing for anybody to deal with. Something we hadn't talked about. Liberal commentators have been cheering this weekend as it appeared the walls were closing in on the Putin regime. But celebration proved fleeting as the Wagner group supposed coup quickly came to an end. There's all kind of speculation about what happened. So given Biden's lack of transparency since the beginning of the war in Ukraine, his statement on the administration's lack of involvement in the coup, it just didn't ring true. We had nothing to do with it, he said, which typically means we had something to do with it And we don't want anybody to know about it, so we're going to say we didn't have anything to do with it. Some speculated the U.S. or the CIA in particular was behind the attempted coup in Russia. This military, this was a mercenary military group. It's an army, and they get involved in all kinds of things like this. And speculation was they were going to take Vladimir Putin out of power in Moscow. They were only a little over 100 miles away when somehow a deal got cut and they decided to quit and they turned around. We will likely never know what really happened, but CIA involvement is certainly not outside the realm of possibility. In fact, the CIA has a long record of supporting coups in foreign countries. Let me give you a few. In Iran, the CIA declared declassifying of documents 60 years later, finally acknowledging its role in the 1953 Iranian coup. Iranians elected Mohammad Mossadegh as prime minister in 51, moved to nationalize the country's British-controlled oil production, which was vital to rebuild Europe after World War II. CIA also worried that the uh, leader would align Iran with the Soviets, and this led to a plan to an overthrow of his government and reinstate the pro-Western Iranian Shah. Documents show, however, the course of four days, just four days, the CIA planted anti-agent stories in the Iranian media, whipped up protests and bolstered monarchist forces. The Shah reclaimed power, and Mossadegh 
and his allies were imprisoned. In 79, the Shah was in turn overthrown by Ayatollah Rouhani Khomeini's Islamist movement, leading to the Iran hostage crisis. I won't get into all of them, but the CIA was definitely involved in 97 in Guatemala in a coup in Congo. Back in 1960, the CIA did the same thing. And then in the Dominican Republic in 1961, in South Vietnam, we went to war over there. The U.S.-backed military coup against South Vietnamese leader Ngo Dinh Diem is likely the most well-known of the seven coups that we and our CIA have been involved in. And that one in South Vietnam was exposed in the Pentagon Papers. In Brazil, the CIA declassified operational documents 40 years later. We were involved with the overthrow of Brazilian President Wa Gumbert in 1964. In Chile, same thing happened again in 1970. Our CIA, and this is one reason why so many Americans despise our federal government and our intelligence agencies because they get involved in things that have nothing or very little to do with the meat and potatoes of life and living here in the United States of America. And it's just not right. It's just not right. Now, I'm all, have, have always been, I've always been a great supporter of our intelligence operations because we find out so many things It's kind of like going to the doctor and getting tested, having a checkup, so that you don't get into further trouble. But that's not the way the CIA operates. They tell us, oh, you know, we don't do the bad stuff. We keep the bad stuff out of the U.S. Yeah, right. But I think they all step too far, and I think they're out of control. We need to rethink the intelligence community here in the U.S. Because truth matters. You're listening to TNN, the Truth News Network. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. What? Crawl or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now, or later, because these Staples everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts, like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing, everyday price cuts. Thank you. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, that's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. You know, one of my favorite cities on the planet has always been the Big Apple, Washington, D.C., 
I love Washington, D.C., but I prefer the Big Apple over Washington, D.C., and uh, things are changing down there, and there is some uh, changes that I think anybody that's going up there needs to realize. Drivers in New York City are soon going to be charged to enter Manhattan, marking a win for environmental activists who say the move will help reduce congestion and improve air quality. But it's going to raise a lot of concerns over the impact on businesses, and that includes taxi drivers. So announcing the news in a June 27th press release, Governor Kathy Hockel, a Democrat, said the Federal Highway Administration has given the green light to the state's congestion pricing program following a 30-day public availability period that assesses the environmental impact of the plan. Hockel said the agency had found that the congestion program would have no significant environmental impacts, would reduce congestion and overall vehicle miles travel, improving regional air quality. But what about the businesses in Manhattan? How is this going to impact them? Oh, by the way, businesses are the life source for governments. And the governor of New York wants to tax those that take advantage of going to work in Manhattan. That's a wrap on the show today. We'll be back tomorrow from the Atlantic Ocean, St. Simon Island in Georgia, TNN Live. I want to thank you for being here, being here every day. You guys have a great one. Have some fun today. We'll see you tomorrow at TNN Live. If you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could tell. Just like an old-time movie about a ghost from a wishing well in a castle dark or a fortress strong with chains upon my feet. You know that ghost is me and I will never be set free as long as I'm a ghost you can't see if I could read your mind love what a tale your thoughts could tell just like a paperback novel the kind the drugstore sells when you reach the part where the heartaches come, the hero would be me. Heroes often fail, and you won't read that book again because the ending's just too hard to take. Star who gets burned in a three-way script into number two a movie queen to play the scene of bringing all the good things out in me but for now love let's be real I never thought I 
I could act this way And I've got to say that I just don't get it I don't know where we went wrong But the feeling's gone And I just can't get it back If you could read my mind, love What a tale my thoughts could tell Just like an old time movie About a ghost from a wishing well In a castle dark Or a fortress strong With chains upon my feet The story always ends If you read between the lines You'll know that I'm just trying to understand The feelings that you lack I never thought I could feel this way And I've got to say that I just don't get it I don't know where we went wrong But the feeling's gone And I just can't get it back 